I came home with a purpose. I knew who I was and I knew whose I was. And that gave me a really wonderful sense of like identity. Hello, my name's Blair Murphy, and this is The Bishop's Office, a podcast where I talk to members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about their conversion, missionary service, and life experiences. This week, I'm speaking to Chani Wilmot about her mission in Canada. I hope you enjoy it. It's great to catch up with you today, Chani, and talk about your mission. How are you? Yeah, doing well, thank you. How are you? Great. Well, as is tradition, why don't you tell us where you served and, and when you served, and then we can learn a little bit more about it. Yeah, sounds good. So I was called to the Vancouver, Canada mission, um, so the province of British Columbia, and I served from July 2014 to December 2015. Was a mission something that you always wanted to include in your life? Um, to be honest, a mission was never really something on my radar. I had kind of made a plan for what I wanted to do when I had finished high school, and I pursued it quite strongly, so I started university, and I'd also made plans to live abroad for a year, and mission just was not something I'd ever thought of. Um, until until I went to a convention and it was in that YSA convention where there was a couple of speakers coming home from their missions and they shared experiences and it just started kind of getting the cogs ticking in my head that this is maybe something that I need to do and I was actually on the drive home I was driving home with um Marley Rayford now Kelly we did a Great Ocean Road tour so another like fun adventure I was like yes adventures is kind of what I'm for here for um and it just like really hit me quite strongly like no mission is something that you need to do but I had already booked a flight to London so a little bit of a mess so within three weeks I had decided to go got my papers done put my papers off and left for England at the same time so it was a bit of a frantic time but a really cool one at the same time what was it about those talks that that struck you was it a specific sort of prompting or was it just a feeling that grew in you describe a little bit more about what you were experiencing at that time I honestly could not tell you anything that they said (laughs) but I do remember sitting there because I had had friends that had been preparing and friends that had left and I think the biggest thing I remember hearing about their stories and what I felt was the opportunity that they had to really solidify the understanding of who God was um, and that he wasn't just this thing that existed in the universe, but he was someone that we were able to have a really personal relationship with and that through um, experiences and trials and joyful experiences as well that came, um, I guess, from a mission because so much happens in such a condensed time frame that they now had this relationship. And I think that was something I was a little bit jealous of. And it just made me think like, how can I have that? And what, opportunities are available for me at home to achieve that versus if I if I go and serve and I think just the overwhelming feeling of this is something that you need to do and it's part of your plan and prior to that a lot of things hadn't really worked out when I was booking my trip overseas that it just all kind of clicked and fell into place that this was this was why I didn't work and this is where I needed to go and what I needed to do. Uh, How would you describe your testimony at that time? probably very social based. I don't think it was one which I was necessarily maybe proud of. It was one that was quite shallow and I didn't really have the greatest understanding of all the principles of the gospel. I think I knew the basics that I knew there was a God and I knew that he loved me and I knew about his son, Jesus Christ. I don't think I understood how it could become personal and how it was relatable to me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think those sorts of promptings as well kind of took me off guard because I hadn't really had had felt those sort of experiences or feelings before. So I think it was something that was just kind of really big and new and the start of a really wonderful journey, I think, in my discovery and relationship with God and with our Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
Great. So um, I think you said three weeks to get your papers and send them all off and, and, and then go on this holiday. Talk to me about that time from then to when you receive your mission call. What was, sounds like you were having fun in Europe, which is great, but what was happening in your mind and heart during that time as well? It was actually one of the best experiences of my life. So I was there for five and a half months and I remember I had left in January and I had landed, I had left sunny Adelaide, it was like 40 degrees and landed into freezing cold London. And I was actually living with my auntie for a little bit of it and she um, isn't a member. So I remember landing there and a couple of days in just having a bit of a panic attack. Like, what have I done? I, I'm about to submit my papers tomorrow with the all clear from Bishop. I've moved to this country that's cold, that's wet, that's horrible. Like I've got to do all of these things alone. It was a bit overwhelming. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to go for a walk. I'm going to walk to the local chapel where I'll be attending church. So I know where I'm going for Sunday. So I had to walk to church every Sunday. So I decided to walk there and have a walk around the little place that I was living in called St. Albans. I remember walking up to the chapel and just bawling, thinking, what have I done? How come I've chosen this? Is this really the right idea? I remember praying really earnestly, like, I need a blessing and I need someone to be there. Like, I need help. Um, and it was really neat, actually, a couple. I was there sitting around the back of the chapel and five minutes later, these elders rocked up and they were like, oh, we are actually just here because we've got to put in some, like, details. We're not normally here. And for me, that was a really strong impression and answer to prayer. Like, God knows where I am. He knows who I am and he's he's here to help me through it. And I got a really lovely blessing from these elders. Um, and it was really cool because they introduced me to the sisters. And from there, I was able to really become engaged in understanding, like, what missionaries do and how they were involved in the works. It was a really cool experience from that to start off. I know where I am and where I need to be. And from there, that rest of that time, I made friends, some really good YSA. And it really helped me to develop my own testimony and my own conviction of what I was doing and to also learn just more about the gospel because I was there in, I guess, an opportunity to be where I had to be spiritually self-reliant. I had to walk 20 minutes to and from church by myself. Like I had to get myself to different activities. And I just grew a lot, not only as a person, but spiritually, I think it was imperative for me to prepare and to um, be ready to then serve my mission. As you share that experience, I'm sort of reminded of that line upon line, precept upon precept principle, right? So um, I guess it's a, well, it wasn't really an act of faith to go to convention, right? Um, but you're in the right place. And then you have this prompting and you act on it. And then you go to Europe. And I just love how you describe that. You say, you know, what have I done? And sometimes we have those moments of doubt, don't we? where we think, is this really true or is this the right path that I'm meant to be on? But if we're sort of acting in faith and, and trying to move forward, then the next little bit of light comes to help us on the next part of our journey. And yeah, what a wonderful tender mercy to have those elders turn up out of the blue and to be able to answer your prayer. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, were you surprised to go to Canada? Tell me about receiving your call. Yeah, so I received my call. I opened it while I was overseas. So it came to my address there and it came from Germany so it was all in German on the front so it was a bit of a cool little thing to look at I was like oh the whole letters in German and I had my parents on uh, FaceTime or like Zoom FaceTime I guess Zoom wasn't really used back then and I had some of the, the sister missionaries that were that I'd become quite good friends with as well as some of the YSA I remember opening my call and definitely Canada was not on my radar at all but I was definitely really excited to be called to Canada. Canada is somewhere that I've always loved and I love the wilderness and the outdoorness of it. So I think from that alone, Heavenly Father gave me a bit of like reassurance. Like you're going to have not only a spiritual time, but you're going to enjoy where you're going to. So it wasn't a moment of disappointment or anything. It was, um, I was pretty stoked. <laughs> 
what what should we know about Vancouver and Canada? Explain the geography, the people. What stood out to you as you you know became acquainted with these people? Yeah, so Canada is incredibly multicultural. It's very diverse. They take in so many immigrants. So I was actually on the West End, so across the West Coast. If you follow, you know, the West Coast of America, and you keep going up, um, that's where I was. So I was the first province that bordered with the states it's more of a temperate climate so it was a bit of tender mercy it wasn't super cold it, like some of the other states out to the east but still cold enough that you needed a good snow coat in my mission we had a total of four different languages being spoken and learned in my mission we had english we had spanish we had korean and we had chinese so there were some areas that were incredibly dense with different cultures and these different languages which was a really cool experience for me to be able to experience so many different um, cultures and along with that there was a lot of different religions as well so there was certain areas that were very hindu or very sikh as well as in one area i served called abbotsford it was nicknamed like the bible belt so there were every different denomination of christianity under the sun through that area so that was definitely interesting being in that area and having lots of different different views of who Christ was and who God was and how you could come to know him. So um, talk to me about your first area. Tell me about your trainer. What was uh, adjusting to missionary life like for you? So adjusting to missionary life was definitely interesting to start off with. I had a really interesting first transfer in the mission. This was the first transfer that the new president had come in. So we were his first batch. And the last president had kept a couple of missionaries that he wanted to, he wanted them to only do half a transfer so a three-week transfer so my first transfer consisted of having one trainer for three weeks and then being put with another trainer for another three weeks my first trainer I was with her for three weeks Victoria Island we kind of clashed heads so it was a bit of a rough start for me and then from the second part of that six weeks I was put with a sister training leader because her companion had left and then I was constantly on trade-offs with all of these different sisters around the island of Victoria. So it was a bit of a whirlwind, to be honest, to start off with. I don't think I really found my feet, but I just kind of run with it. But there were definitely a couple of experiences where I felt very alone and felt very doubtful as to why I was there. I guess I didn't really get along with my trainer. My trainer, we didn't really understand each other. And that became something that was really quite hard because I'm quite a talker. Um, and not being able to have someone to communicate with made it really quite isolating. Um, but then for that second half, I had some, a sister who was wonderful and really helped me to gain confidence in why I was here and what I was doing and that I would be able to be like, capable and successful and taught me some really valuable tools that I carried throughout the rest of my mission. So it really set me up for the rest of it, which was really wonderful. I think one of the biggest tools that I really started to learn was what prayer actually is and how to actually communicate um, with God and how to hear him. And that's one thing that um, my second trainer was really big on. She as she was in a position of leadership and was guiding a number of different sisters and she had quite a big area to look after, was her ability to, in times of either confusion or maybe doubt of some of our plans, was to just stop, and whether it be in like in the middle of the street or in the middle of a shopping mall, just to stop and, and pray and have that opportunity to converse with God to receive further direction and guidance. And that was something that I found that when I was either struggling emotionally or spiritually, or I thought that this was a bit out of my depth or I wasn't meant to be here, that taking those quiet moments just to stop in any setting and have a 
a real communication with God, not just like a rush one or being ashamed to do it, but being confident in communicating with God at all times and being able to then hear him in the flurry of a big street was something that was the start of what I learned there and continued to hone in on and develop that as I went through my mission quite a lot later on in my mission. So I spent a lot of time with young single adults. I was to a lot of YSA areas and they were just a bit tricky to find than just door knocking. If we, we didn't really door knock because you don't know who's behind a door when you door knock. So we spent a lot of time out trying to just visually target people as we saw them on the street. And we were way north in a particular area. And me and my companion, we have been feeling that we needed to find someone, that there was someone waiting for us. And we were on one of the campuses and we were walking through the corridors of these campuses and we just paused and we were a bit lost about what to do. If we should go home, we should go somewhere else or try something else because we hadn't been able to find anyone. And we found a little quiet classroom and pulled and pulled ourselves aside and we had a prayer together. And we remember very, I remember very strongly thinking like someone on this campus that needs to be to be found today. And as we were walking through the campus, we were coming towards one of the bus stops as we were starting to feel quite defeated. And there was this girl just standing there and um, we just started chatting with her. And one thing led to another. We grabbed her number and thought, oh, like, we'll see what happens. But maybe that was our girl, a little bit not fully invested in it, but excited that we at least found someone who wanted to meet with us. And from there, we were really fortunate that we were able to continue to teach her and continue to help her to come to know who who Christ was and a really wonderful experience where she was able to um, join that YSA branch and yeah, become a member, which was really exciting. That something that we started off being a bit lost and a bit confused about where we should go and what we should do. And unfortunately being a bit doubtful that maybe that wasn't even the person, but at least we had fulfilled something became something that came to fruition. And that was a really big testimony builder for me that like always to act and to not hesitate on, people who to talk to. Were there other times where you felt like God was really communicating with you? We had areas within my area that were um, native reserve areas and they were known for not being the safest at times. But my companion and I were maybe a bit too <laughs> proud or a bit too strong-headed and thought, no, like we'll go have a look through this area. There, there are people who I'm sure will talk to us because the First Nations people are very, they have their creator and there's some elements that coincide with the book woman that they really resonate with and they understand and we'll talk to you about but we were on this particular reserve and we started knocking and I started feeling quite uneasy like maybe maybe we should go this probably isn't where we should be but my companion was a little bit more like no it's fine we got this so I kind of kept following along but maybe a little bit more hesitantly back like oh I don't actually know and we came up to one of these particular houses And I had a really strong feeling like, no, we need to go now. And I had started to say that to my companion. I was like, no, it's, I think it's time to go. And all of a sudden (laughs) one of these dogs came out of, out of nowhere. And for some reason the dog snapped so close to us, but didn't go for us. And we, we kind of went running. So I guess it isn't really a good indication of us listening to it because it took us a while to listen, but Mm. understanding like, was really good to start like, no, that was a serious prompting and that needs to seriously be listened to later on. Mm. And that was a really good learning curve for later down the track when we started knocking another area where we started knocking some of these houses at nighttime. And there were a couple which we houses which we just skipped. We felt strongly like, no, I, I've had this feeling before um, and these houses, they need to be skipped because that feeling was back. And I think had to have that, 
that moment of seeing danger in front of me from like that prompting to recognize that that is what it's associated with. So when those opportunities came again, that feeling came again, it wasn't a question of, oh, we'll knock on that door. It was a no, I've felt this before and I know this isn't a thing to mess with. We're not going to try that. I think that's a really important principle that you're sharing, that it's in the habit of trying to follow promptings that you learn the different ways that the spirit talks to you, right? And that confidence comes over time. The first time you felt that, hey, this isn't a safe place or a safe situation, prompting, you didn't know it, right? You had suspicions at the time, but you didn't recognize it. You didn't know um, what that felt like. But subsequent times when you felt it, you're able to recognize that. And I think that's the same for all of us in, in many different situations. We need to learn what the spirit feels like for us. And it's okay if we don't feel 100% confident right at the beginning. It's over time that we develop the ability to really tune into to how he communicates with us. Mm. Yeah, definitely. When we were um, just sort of preparing to, to start talking, you mentioned that relationships played a really big part in your mission. Um, you know, are there some experiences that can sort of highlight that principle? Yeah, I think there's a number of people that I was able to fund and teach and a number of companions, a number of members, which as soon as I met them, it was a connection that was like, I've, I've known you forever. But one in particular that comes to mind was, as I said earlier, I've spent a lot of my time um, with YSA, I shall say one in particular YSA that, that comes to mind, um, who we were able to teach and who we were able to help come to know the saviour. The relationship I was able to develop her was something that was really special and something I still really cherish. And I was fortunate enough that as we taught her about the gospel and as we saw her grow in the gospel, it strengthened my testimony of why I was doing this, that people who had never really understood who Jesus Christ was were able to come know him. And for someone who is, you know, 18, 19, who is in what the world would be like prime party time of your life, for someone to, to find us as missionaries and to them listen to us and, and decide to follow their saviour and turn down the world is something that for me was incredibly powerful, that the work we are doing, it does change lives and that we're not just sharing any old message, but we're sharing a message that brings hope and comfort and love to their life as well as direction. And the particular why I say I was lucky enough that I was able to go back to um, my mission a year later as she had decided to, that she wanted to as well serve a mission and I was able to go through the temple with her and help her prepare for her mission and she was able to serve in the Tahiti mission. So oh. being able to have that relationship with her and then have it continue on, not just from the mission but after and then be able to do something so special and so surreal with her was like is something like I just am really grateful for that relationship and that I was able to be there to find and to teach her. Yeah, that's so cool. What's she doing now? She's back from a mission from Tahiti, I presume. What's she doing with herself? She's back. She um, moved over to Calgary and she's doing her master's in health, public health. And yeah, she's still continuing to you know follow the teachings of our savior and live the gospel. So and we still have a lovely relationship and have the chance to FaceTime every now and then, which is really fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Reflecting on your year and a half uh, there in Canada, were, were there particular hard times and, and how did you cope with them? Some of the hardest times on my mission were when I was in some really rural areas. And in these rural areas, there is typically like one Christian church there. 
that is not of oh no one other sorry Christian church that is not of our denomination. Everyone in Canada is nice. They want to talk to you, but they don't want to talk to you about the Savior in a lot of these more rural areas, especially ones where I was there for maybe a little bit longer. It felt like we would knock out like the entire area I was in in you know two weeks, and the idea of having to then re-knock that whole area <laughs> like two weeks later was something that I really struggled with, especially coming from not knocking a lot in my mission and being in YSA, it was really quite, some people might laugh at me, but it was really hard for me. I really struggled with the idea of doing that again. And I think the biggest thing that kept me going and kept me, I guess, not being ashamed to again knock on people's doors. I think that was my biggest thing. I was a bit prideful, a bit ashamed to be like, oh, I'm back again. Hi, sorry, you didn't want to talk to us last time. Maybe you talked to us this time. Was just as I started to really engulf myself in my purpose and I guess in the blessings that I've seen come to my life from the gospel it made me become less ashamed of my purpose and helped me become more vigilant and more excited to go out that over like towards the end of that transfer it became something I, I really overcame that fear of and every day knock maybe the same street we'd done last time um, because we had an exciting message to share, because we had something that was life-changing and not everyone wants to hear it now, but having that faith that, you know, you don't always see the fruits of your labor now, but the fruits of the labor will be known, whether it's with a first interaction or with the eighth or the person before they meet the right missionary. It doesn't matter. We're, we're there to invite and to share. Did you have any experiences that taught you about the priesthood and how women access priesthood power? Yeah, that's a really good one. I had a couple of really wonderful experiences with the priesthood in terms of receiving blessings. There was one area where we had we were fortunate enough to have a senior couple, and this senior couple was fantastic. But it was a really actually this was a bit of a hard time on mission. Just like a lot was kind of going on at home, and I was a bit. I guess a little bit fragile and we had come into an area where we had whitewashed it. So everything was just a bit new, a bit overwhelming. It was still the very start of my mission. And I was able to have some really wonderful experiences where from this particular senior couple, I was able to receive some really wonderful blessings and blessings I can't deny where he really was acting as a mouthpiece for God, being able to say things that I need to hear, which was really wonderful that really started to develop my relationship an understanding of the priesthood that that men can really hold God's power and from there I think it helped me to understand the role that I have as I can access the priesthood through my calling and how I've been endowed and I've been called to do this work that we as sisters we we have that power to go out and to teach this message of Christ and that we are acting with his power and with his authority as we go out and teach it and as we wear his name on our badge and represent him daily, that we are using his power. It may not be, you know, to give a blessing, but I really felt endowed with his power. And I felt that authority to go out and to teach um, and to share the message of yeah. our Savior and of our Heavenly Father. You're, you're absolutely right. And I just love the way you described feeling like you were endowed with his power, right? Whether, you know, your only calling is to be a ministering sister or a mother or a friend, we receive of God's power when we do his work, right? And God's power is priesthood power, right? Some of those callings in inverted commas are foreordained. So we get set apart in the pre-existence, if you like, to um, fulfill those callings. Other callings we get set apart 
for in this life, right? And in your case, you were set apart to be a, uh, a missionary and you receive priesthood power to do that, right? Priesthood power to um, receive revelation, to be able to have the spirit with you when you teach, to be able to do all the things that you need to do. So I love the way that you described both sides of that priesthood coin almost. In our church, the, the men hold the priesthood and perform priesthood ordinances. We know that women also perform priesthood ordinances in the temple, which is a wonderful thing. Um, but we all, men and women, have access to that same priesthood power in our lives, don't we? Yep, for sure. When we were talking about the experiences at the YSA convention that led to your um, wanting to serve a mission, um, you sort of talked about wanting mm -hmm. to become someone different or become mm -hmm. more and have a stronger testimony and all of that sort of stuff. How do you think you changed because of your mission? And I guess were those hopes and aspirations realized through your service? Yeah, definitely. I think I was able to become someone who could confidently say that they had a relationship with their heavenly father and had a relationship with their savior. And that extended more than just I've read about him, it became, uh, I've experienced him in my life and I've seen him work in my life and it became a really wonderful opportunity. I think the mission just has all of these experiences jam-packed into such a short time frame. It gave me a chance to really understand that the atonement and its power extends far beyond just, like the power of repentance, but it is able to be an enabler and it's able to be there to help through all aspects of life, that Christ has gone through everything. He knows us perfectly and it is more than just to be forgiven from sin, but it's to be able to navigate through all aspects of life. And I think that principle and that opportunity to come to know, like my saviour, really personally on the mission has been able to be a wonderful springboard as I have been home for a number of years now to keep that incorporated to my life that I know that when hard things arise, that I can call on my Heavenly Father for that comfort and that direction, but I can use my Savior's atonement to help me overcome hard things and to help me to have Him buoy me up and to help me through what I need to get through. And I think it just provided opportunity for me to grow as a person and to grow in my relationship with God that I feel confident that now, especially when I came home, like I wasn't just a young adult like I didn't really know where I was going, but I came home with a purpose. I knew who I was and I knew whose I was. And that gave me a really wonderful sense of like identity that I knew that I was capable of what I wanted to achieve. And from the principles I've been learned on my mission that I knew that if I trusted in God, I would be directed to the best things. I wouldn't just have the good in my life, but I would have the best as a result of listening to him. I love that. Let's switch gears now. Um, you've just had your first child, um, little baby Rivka. What have you learned through the experience of having a new little person in your family? What, what springs to mind in this new experience? How old is she now? She's 10 weeks old. What comes to mind is like growing up, I had, I had really strong mother figures in my life. I had my mom and had my grandma and they were who raised me. And my mum was incredibly strong in many aspects, but, but spiritually she was a really incredible guide for me and really solid, especially that she was a convert. And when things went a bit pear-shaped with, with my parents, that she was the one who, who stayed committed to the gospel. And that I think was, was a really big driver for me as well 
in wanting to become really spiritually self-reliant was that my mum was such an incredible example to me. And I think having just had my first little girl, I have been really grateful that I have developed these tools that have helped me to be self-reliant in many aspects, but spiritually self-reliant, especially as I see how the world is and where it's heading. Um, I have been able to have wonderful commune with my heavenly father about this opportunity I have to raise one of his children and to call her my own and to have her join our little family. And it's been a really nice chance for Nathan and I to really reflect upon the principles of the gospel of eternal families that we have this little unit that it will extend more than just in this life, but we are linked together eternally. And I think it's become really real to me since having her that the principles of family is incredible and to know that this isn't just a temporary experience we get to have with each other but that it's lasting has just really solidified my my testimony of sealing and I had a really wonderful experience when I was able to be sealed to Nathan but it has just made it become even more real knowing that she's born under the covenant and that we have this family that yeah it is eternal and I think I feel very blessed to know that and to have the opportunity to to raise her in that and to have the chance to teach her that just as as my mum was able to teach me these wonderful principles of the gospel and help me to aspire to have these things in my life I, I really look forward to be able to have the opportunity to help her to to learn these principles and help her to maybe have that aspiration of that involved in her life as well that's wonderful well thank you for um chatting to me today and sharing some experiences from your mission and your new motherhood it's been um great spending some time with you yeah thank you no it was lovely to reflect on my mission and to talk about it well, I hope you enjoyed hearing about Chani's mission. Heaps of great experiences there and, and stacks for us to learn. Please do share these with your friends and family and anybody else who you think might benefit from hearing about these experiences. That's all I have for you this week until I speak to you again here in the Bishop's Office.